Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. We're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. This is basically three and three business days, so you're getting to listen to a lot of us as of late. Three podcasts per week. Yeah. Well, guys, we have a quarterback. That was great. Fitzpatrick. Simon, the excitement in my voice is palpable. What say you? Uh, well, I mean, look, when we were backed into a corner by <laughs> circumstance, we were backed into. I mean, look, you've got to look at it as the bigger picture. You've got to, um, but also. Uh, I mean, is there a bigger picture argument for Ryan Fitzpatrick? No, no, no. I don't mean for Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I mean the the, the the long game picture. Like, you know, really the, long the, game. Yeah, yeah, very long game. You know, but listen, you've got to look at it twofold. Look, he is he is shit enough for us to be pretty bad, but he's mm-hmm. good enough to make it exciting along the way. You know, we're going to have big old 400-yard games and long touchdown passes and then six interception games, and it's going to be exciting. And in all seriousness, <laughs> wow. in all seriousness... It sounds exciting. In all seriousness, but that, that's his game. Look at what he did with Tampa um, last year. First two games of the season, he had 400 yards and four touchdowns, following week he threw six picks. He was amazing. Yeah, he was amazing. He had, he had 12 touchdowns in three weeks. You can't tell me that Chris Greer and the guys had sat, haven't sat in a room and thought, you know what, we're going to be terrible this year, but what's the best way of being good terrible? And they must have thought, you know what, Fitzmagic will provide some excitement <laughs> in the stadium. You know, because look, if you'd have brought in AJ McCarron or whatever, that would have, I mean, it would have been the dullest year of all time. It would have. <laughs> I don't think I could have made it. <laughs> or, or Bortles or whoever. At least Fitzmagic is exciting. At least Fitzmagic gives you a bit of excitement. You're going to, you know, he's going to be, one day he's going to be 25 or 29 for 460 yards and seven touchdowns. And the following week he'll throw 19 picks and we'll lose by (laughs) 65. I mean, it'll be fun. It'll be terrible, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun, terrible. And ultimately, look, in all seriousness, ultimately the long game picture is two, three, four of those quarterbacks that are coming out next year. That's the ultimate long game. And we've just got to, you know, we've just got to suck balls for 12 months. Yeah, I think for (laughs) sure. uh, Signing Ryan Fitzpatrick guarantees two things. First of all, you have absolutely the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. So that's in the bag. The other thing that I think is in the bag is Justin Herbert. He's a Miami Mm. Dolphin already, if we want him. (laughs) The other thing is, well, Fitzpatrick is 30, he'll be 37 in mid-November. He hasn't finished a 16-game season in a long time. You know, we are going to see significant chunks of Jake Rudock slash Luke Falk slash whoever it is that they draft not in the first round. That that is a given, I think. So I don't think you're going to see, you know, for for, for everybody saying, oh, Fitzpatrick might win you six games. He's not going to play 16 games. I mean, good luck to him if he does. But, I mean, look, we've got Laramie Tunsil. And nobody else. And nobody else. So, you know, Daniel Kilgore, who was actually played worse than the guy that replaced him when he got injured, Travis Swanson. Jesse Davis, who, I mean, yeah. I mean, Fitzpatrick is not making his way healthily through a, a, a full 16-game 16, 16 season. So you're going to see backup quarterback play in Miami, which is going to help hinder if you want to win the Super Bowl next season. I've got a, a bridge I can sell you. But also, it's that's going to help in terms of ending up with with Tua or with Justin Herbert or, or whatever. But, yeah, I think um, it'll be fun next season. It'll be shit, but it'll be fun. <laughs> Chris? I think this is – so, okay, all kidding aside, the reason he's here is because he's smart. You know, he's a Harvard guy. He's mm. played in so many systems. You know, think about the Super Bowl and what happened in that Super Bowl uh, with Brian Hoyer and the integral part he ended of he of all people ended up playing in that Super Bowl because of his breadth of experience around the NFL. And, you know, something that he just noticed while watching fucking like network stuff of, uh, of the Rams and how they, they operate. And then they develop a game plan that leads into probably the best defensive performance we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Right. And, and that was, and Brian Hoyer actually played a role in that. And that was the backup quarterback. So, Getting a guy that's smart and that has a whole lot of experience and 
has had a whole lot of success and has been with a whole lot of different coaches, a whole lot of different teams, a whole lot of systems. That can add something to your room. That's the, that's the reason he's here. And I think he's going to be here both years probably of the contract. He's got a two-year contract, and that's, that's basically it. That's why. Um, the idea, I think, was to throw uh, – and Alf, we've talked about this. You mentioned it, that um, throw basically the same sort of contract out at everybody out there and see who take it. You know, see, see whether Tyrod Taylor would take that contract, see if Teddy Bridgewater would take it, see if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick would take it. Who knows? Maybe even Ryan Tannehill. Uh, maybe, they, maybe they threw that at him too. And, and some, some guys are going to be like, well, no, if you want me to start, then you've got to pay me like a starter. And some guys are going to be like, nah, I'll just take the money. Um, and, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick, evidently. So, uh, so that's why he's here. That's, you know, he's here to improve the room and to help bring along young people, including next year. The question is, you know, with this whole, you know, tanking thing and, and stuff like that, I mean, listen, I thought the whole, the whole tanking for Tua thing, and at least as it applies to our free agent activities and, and stuff like that, uh, I thought it was all just kind of nonsense to begin with because, it, listen, it's like you're trying, to, you're trying to peg these – you're trying to walk, toe such a fine line of, like, everything that you're doing in the offseason. We didn't sign Eric Rowe because he was the last-rated corner on our board and we think he's terrible and he's going to help us lose games. Okay, we signed Eric Rowe because we think he's kind of good and, and maybe better than his contract. And, you know, you didn't sign Tank Carradine because you think that he's absolutely awful at football and he's going to help us lose games. You signed Tank Carradine because you think, well, you know, he might be better than the contract we have to give him. Um, guys like Jake Rudock, everything you do in the offseason is signing somebody that's going to make you better. Everything you do in the offseason is hiring a coach that's going to make you better. Everything you do in, in the offseason is drafting a guy that's going to make you better. And it's totally incompatible with this new thing where it's like, oh, but not too good, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. but not, but not too many wins. And so, so you're trying to, you're trying to toe such a fine line and hit such a small target. That's so ridiculous considering how imprecise the NFL is and how humbling the NFL is every year where all the teams that you thought were going to be good are shit and all the teams that you thought were going to be shit are actually good. I mean, how imprecise the NFL, it's like trying to hit a bullseye on a dartboard with a fucking paper airplane. It's ridiculous. I don't understand why we're going to make these free agent acquisitions and, and everything that we do is underlined, uh, underlined by this issue of, well, is there going to be too many games that we're going to win? Well, we want to be good, but not too good. It, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. You know what? Prioritize winning in 2020. Prioritize winning in 2021. If that's what you want to do, if that's what's important to you, even at the expense of 2019, that's okay. You can do that sort of timeline shift. Don't prioritize losing. Prioritizing losing is just completely incompatible with everything you're doing. And so that's why, you know, my initial reaction to Ryan Fitzpatrick signing here was, well, you know, buy Tua. Uh, Bye-bye Tua. You know, that's not – and people are, like, you know, go, going at me over that. Like, oh, oh, you think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a good – well, no, you don't have to be a good quarterback to end up winning three games. And that's all it would take. You win three games, goodbye number one overall pick. 80% of the time, if you won three games, it's, it's over. You didn't get that pick. You know what? Win two games, two and 14, and flip a coin. If it's heads, you got the number one pick and you got to a tongue of Bialoa. If it's tails, you didn't. And sorry, try, try again next year. You know, four wins, forget it. <laughs> four wins is just outright. You know, and every year, the, speaking of the imprecision of the NFL, I mean, over the last 30 years, something like 38 teams have had the right to claim that Las Vegas thinks that we're the worst team in the league. Uh, or tied for the worst team in the league, you know, by projected win totals. And only three of them have ended up with the number one overall pick. It's imprecise. It's fucking stupid. So, I, I, you know, don't try and underline every single free agent decision or non-decision or move or non-move with, is it going to win us too many games? Well, it, it needs to do this and yet not win us too many games. It's so, it's so dumb. And, and Alf, I'll just throw it to you because I, I really am frustrated. <laughs> yeah, well, there's another component to this. When the signing was announced, Devontae Parker went out there, and I got a chuckle out of it when, when he just said, 
here's to new beginnings and let's get to work. And I'm like, really? Now is when you want to get to work, Devante? <laughs> okay. Hmm. And then there was another tweet by somebody who was just eviscerating the signing. And Kenny Stills liked the tweet. Yeah, saw that. So I'll ask you, Simon, this can't be good for the roster. Like, if you're sitting there and, yeah, you draw a paycheck, you want to be a professional, but, you know, at some level, we're all human. They're human as well. I mean, they're competitors. They want to win. <clears throat> That's the bottom line. You yeah. Know, but try, try, can, you, but... can you imagine going this offseason and working out and then when you think about what you have to come back to for training camp, you know deep down inside you have no shot to do anything? Like, that can't be good. No, can't be, but you know that's you know these are the players that are ultimately responsible for the the reason that they're in this boat in the first place. I mean, I like mm -hmm. Kenny Stills, but you know he looks he's a great human being, he's a good player, but you know well, his last season wasn't up to scratch. He would be the first to hold his hands up and say, "I didn't play very well." So it's fine for us to for, for the players to piss and moan and say, "Oh, you know, next season doesn't look great," and blah blah blah. But ultimately, you're the guys that are responsible for the product that's out on the field. I mean, I can't say it any further than that, you know, and not every, you know, some people are more responsible than others. And certainly there were issues last year, which meant that the team wasn't as good as perhaps it could have been. But once you cross the white lines, you, you've got to hold your hands up and be responsible and say, you know, we didn't get the job done. So you can kick up as much fuss as you like about who's playing. There is clearly a bigger picture and it can't just be about, the guys that are currently in the team and the, the juxtaposition position to that is that obviously it makes it very difficult for guys to try and be involved in a tanking or a managed decline or whatever you want to call it because some of them aren't going to be here next season when Tua or Justin Herbert or whoever it is is the quarterback they're not well not not sorry not next season the season are in 2020 they're not going to be on the team so it's very hard for, for you to get professional athletes who are a winners you know, and want to win every single game because that's all they've ever done. And B, guys that are putting their bodies and their futures. And look, you look at CTE, they're putting their lives essentially on the line in, in, in mm -hmm. some respects. You're asking them to, to, to buy in to something that's going to be long-term gain for the franchise, but actually you're not going to be part of that franchise anyway, potentially. So I can certainly understand why people would be pissed off, but you do what you do. This is, you know, it can't just be about Kenny Stills' feelings or, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick's feelings or Jesse Davis's feelings. There is a collective. They will obviously go out week after week and try and put together as good a performance as is humanly possible. Ultimately, you can't just go from five and 10 to nine and seven back to six and 10 to, you can't do that. We've perpetually done that for a decade or more, barring one or two, you know, one or two odd seasons where you end up in the playoffs at 10 and six or the, the season where, you know, the season, I mean, is it what two winning records in 10, 12 years? I mean, that's not acceptable. You've got to get, you've got to, at some point you have to accept that it's not working and you rip it up and start again. And clearly that they're, they're looking at two different things at the moment. One is the compensate compensatory model that new England has so successfully done. That, that's clearly what they're trying to protect. And two, they're looking to the future to find their quarterback. And if they don't like what they see this year, then next year, that's when it will be. And look, I, I applaud them for this decision. It's revolutionary. It's going to be ugly. And some players aren't going to like it. But unfortunately, that's the bold truth of it. You've got to get on board with it. I'll throw it to you here in, in a second, Chris. But I think that what we could be seeing and what we could see this season is they'll start the season off. And if in the first four games, they're – let's say two and two, you could see a sustained happen. effort. You could see a sustained the effort that could reach into like game eight, nine, or 10. But they start one and three, they're going to start seeing the writing on the wall. And we might begin to see some mysterious injuries. Like maybe Kenyon Drake has a hamstring all of a sudden <laughs> that he can't play through. Maybe Kenny Stills has an ankle that's bothering him. And that's what could set up. For an absolute but the issue, for, the issue for a guy like Kenyon Drake is that you know he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, he needs to you know he needs to put some stuff on tape for people. Yeah, right. same with Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is will be entering the final year of his deal. He's very trade friendly. He's only fifteen million across the next two years in terms of his in terms of his salary, his cap hit. 
these guys need to, you know, you can, again, you can piss and moan and pretend you're injured as much as you like, but ultimately coaches, general managers, they see that sort of stuff that registers, that makes a difference. If you're going to do that, you know, with the greatest win in the world, Kenyon Drake is not Odell Beckham or he's not Antonio Brown. You can't walk out on your team with a few games to go and just mail it in and expect that teams are going to take you seriously when it comes to handing out the big free agent dollars. So, you know, there's a quid pro quo here for everybody. Good point. Chris? I just wanted to say that I liked how you said compensatory. Um, compensatory. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, no, I think that this is obviously a new approach for Miami, and I, I have no problem with taking a new approach. I have no problem with sort of shifting the timeline in the way that they are prioritizing out years you know further out years as opposed to this year i get it it's still prior to me it's still prioritizing winning if you're prioritizing the winning in 2020 and 2021 even if you're not prioritizing the winning in 2019 it's it's not the same as prioritizing losing which i think is um is just you know mind fuckingly like stupid so i I think that uh i think that's good i think that's uh that's an interesting approach i will say that this idea of of kind of tanking for tua and you know is not only unlikely to happen but probably i mean to say to say that we've been waffling back and forth between 10 and 6 and 6 and 10 and we need to get off this roller coaster and and not just keep doing the same thing to me just is really an abdication of responsibility on their part uh, for all the bad decisions that they have made because they didn't make bad decisions because they were trying to win. Okay. They made bad decisions because they passed on fucking Aaron Rodgers. Okay. They made bad decisions because they passed twice on Drew Brees. You know, they made bad decisions because, you know, for Matt Ryan, you may not think he's an elite quarterback, but they passed on him and the offense would certainly be a lot better with him over the years. Um, they made they made bad decisions on the, at the quarterback position. There were guys available. I detailed like ten of them on Twitter. Okay, there are guys at different points, elite level quarterbacks or close to elite level quarterbacks that you could have gotten and that other teams did get. Other teams that were in worse position than you did get, mm-hmm. and you just didn't make that decision. You didn't make that call. You didn't pull that trigger. So you can't say, well, the problem is that we never quite, we never really tanked. And we never got that number one. But, well, you, actually, you did actually have the number one overall pick in 2008 uh, one time. And you had the number two overall pick in 2005. And you still fucking blew it. So, I mean, I, I think that, that you can't just throw that all away, throw the, all that history away and pretend that the, la- the trying to win every year was the problem. No, you made bad decisions. That was the problem, Miami. Uh, you need to make better decisions with respect to the quarterback spot and not but give some, four some years to Chad Henney and seven years to Ryan Tannehill. But at some point, you've got to change that, right? Regardless of what's gone before. Some make point a good decision got... with respect to the quarterback? Yeah. Of, co- of course. But you can't blame them for wanting to do that, right? Because the way that they've been doing it hasn't worked. You've got to – I think you've got, there's an element of holding up your hands and saying, I tell you what, the way that we've done it has sucked perennially – Let's try something radical slash different slash, you know, because if does because essentially, look, the bottom line is if this doesn't work, then Chris Greer is out of a job. Yeah. Marvin Allen is right there. Jones in to take over as general manager, you know, but the Greer Flores train has what? Three years. You, you'd expect yeah. Steve Ross to think that within year two, so 2020 draft, let's, let's just say for argument's sake, we draft Justin Herbert next year. Rookie year 2020, season 2021. So you'd reckon by, we would say that unless there is significant playoff pushing improvement by 2022, Greer and probably Flores will be out of a job, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. You take two years of a rookie quarterback, and if it's not working, then they'll probably tear it up. You've got at least, you might not like the decision, but at least you've got to applaud them for thinking, you know, we can't keep on plodding on the way that we are. Let's just do something let's be the Philadelphia 76ers or the Cleveland Browns or whatever and try and get out of this mire. I, I, you know, I can't help but applaud them for trying to do that and, and sometimes won't like it. People want to win. I want to win. And come September, it's probably going to be annoying when we keep you know, shitting the bed every Sunday and it, you know, we sit here and do our podcast and talk about how disappointing it is. But there is a bigger picture. There is a longer game and that's, you know, ultimately that's got to be what we we buy in for otherwise what's the point you know what also is going to be taking place in 2021 steven ross's 81st birthday (laughs) do you think that he has the the patience 
to see this through for four years waiting for this team to be competitive, I think that he's going to expect forward progress. Like, we know what we're setting up for this year. It's We're setting up for an unmitigated disaster. But next year, I think he's going to want to see some forward momentum. Maybe even push 500, get to eight and eight, you know, seven and nine even, but competitive and show that you're actually moving forward. I think the following year, I think he has to be thinking playoffs. And if they take a step back, then they just could fire everybody and he could probably sell the team. So I don't know. But I don't think that none of this is really, it's not brain surgery. Me and uh, Chris and I, spent the better part of about four months being completely satisfied with Ryan Tannehill, but also wanting to draft Patrick Mahomes. Now, if two douchebags on a, on a message, <laughs> if two guys on a, on a, on a, on a, on a message board somewhere can figure this out, why couldn't they instead a team that was actually pretty good? The Kansas city chiefs jumped out in front of us and took Patrick Mahomes and look where they are right now. They're and they were picking the at the end of the round. Yeah, they're set for the next 15 years. And the Houston Texans were picking at the end of the round as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we're talking about opportunities and whether we need to, you know. And before then, and before then, sorry to the interrupt opp- you, Chris, but before then, if you remember, I was pounding the table for Deshaun Watson. I, I like them a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah. Those, those were the t- – absolutely. I'm 100%. And this is, those while, this is while I was yeah. completely satisfied with Ryan Tannehill. Where the hell was this disposition on their part? Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be the professionals. They're supposed to be thinking forward. That's right. But now they, they completely ignored Deshaun Watson and forget about Patrick Mahomes. They paid him no, no mind whatsoever. I mean, I think, I think the opportunity they're going to uh, – so if this is about Justin Herbert or somebody like that next year, then – I think they then, got him. I think then, then, Herbert, yeah, I think they, they got, got him. That's, that's fine. Actually, I think, I think even if they didn't tank, they could, they could absolutely do what many other teams have done and trade up. And I think – the only guy that's going to be off limits if you don't get the pick probably is Tua Tungavailoa, um, and and if we're if we're off that subject of Tua, then it's like I got no bullets left because my bullets are saved for that whole thing, the the, two, the tank for Tua. If if we're gonna be if we're not gonna be so good this year, and you know, as a as an ancillary benefit of that, uh, yeah, we're gonna have a higher pick in the draft, and we might get a shot at getting our pick of you know. Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert or uh, Jordan Love, if, if they're rating him as high as maybe we do, um, then yeah, then that's, that's great. That, that'll be fine. And I've got no, no issues there. And Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't even really do anything to that, in my opinion. Uh, if we're trying to get to a tongue of Iowa, then to where three wins is too much, then you got issues. Then you're, I think the whole, the whole exercise is, is just misguided in the first place. I do think that we've discussed this. I do think, you know, I know we differ in opinion on this, but I do look around the teams in the league and I wonder who is going to be our competition, you know, because actually there's quite a lot of young, there's quite a lot of good quarterbacks in the league. There's quite a lot of young quarterbacks in the league. There are teams who might be looking to replace a veteran quarterback like a Philip, not replace, but at least groom a, you know, a future guy, you know, that could be new England. That could be the chargers. That could even be the Packers, you know, yep. looking long term. But but where is it going to, you know, we in our famous WhatsApp group, we, we went through it last night. Look, Arizona, they figured to be better even if they don't take Kyler Murray and they've still got Josh Rosen. We don't know what's going to happen there. But if they take Murray, they're not they're not going to draft a quarterback. I mean, they're not going to draft a quarterback three well, years in a row. Well, we said that last year, right? <laughs> three years in a row, that's not going to happen. <laughs> three years in a row, that's just too much. <laughs> so, so, look, let's go through it alphabetically. Atlanta, Baltimore, Buffalo, and Carolina in Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, um, and Cam Newton. They are obviously rock solid. Uh, Mitch Trubisky fits perfectly in that, in that scheme, took Chicago deep into the playoffs, and were frankly, uh, you know, two misfield goals away from, from, from advancing. So that, that's not going to happen either. Cincinnati, I think, potentially could be a team. But look, Andy Dalton's significantly better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. They've still got AJ Green, Joe Mixon. That, that defense is still strong. There's, there's good players there. So that looks, wait, wait, you know... Are we talking about Tua, though? I mean, because Cincinnati well, going, in a heartbeat, right? Oh, yeah, and of course. But since... No, my point is, are they going to be in a position... Oh, to be oh. to be worse off than Miami. Okay. That's the point, and I don't think Cincinnati are going to be worse off than than, than the Dolphins. Um, you know, Cleveland have their quarterback. Dal- 
Yeah, well, look, we're, we're doing this alphabetically, Christopher. You're trying to will it to happen, Simon? No, no, I'm just, no, I'm just trying to be rational about the, the guys that are in the league and the teams that, you know, ultimately are going to be above or below us. But Cleveland and Dallas in Baker and, uh, and Dak Prescott have their quarterbacks. Denver potentially could be. Joe, but then Joe Flacco is better than Fitzpatrick. They've got a decent defense. Still the rumors persist. I was speaking to a journalist in, in Denver today. Those Drew Locke rumors are not going anywhere. So to take Drew Locke is unlikely that they're going to take, they're going to take Tonga Bailoa. Then you've got... Um, where are we? Then you've got Detroit. Could be a candidate. The Matt Stafford era looks potentially like it could be over. That offense is, yeah, you know, but with the Kerryon Johnson, Kenny Golladay, uh, Marvin Jones, they've just spent all that money on Trey Flowers, the Darius Slay, you know, good defensive players. The kid, the the, the linebacker they got out of Florida, Gerard Davis. Um, you know, Green Bay, we talked about Aaron Rodgers. Houston Indianapolis have their quarterbacks. Jacksonville. Well, potentially, but Nick Foles, that defense is still there. There's still good elements of that defense. Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey, all those guys. So, you know, they, they could be a team. KC has their quarterback, obviously. Chargers could look to replace Phil Rivers, but they're too good to be down at that, that back end. Obviously, Rams, no. Vikings can't get out of that contract with Kirk Cousins, and are too good anyway. Giants, obviously. Giants are in the mixer. Eli Manning and, and Fitzpatrick are probably the two worst starting quarterbacks in the league, I'd imagine. But I'm not sold they're not going to take Dwayne Haskins. Dave Gettleman. Pat Shermer are pretty much done if if that team doesn't significantly improve. Jets have Sam Darnold. Raiders could be there, but look, the signings they've made, Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, all the defensive guys, LaMarcus Joyner, makes it look like they're better than five wins. Philly and, Derek and, Carr, and Derek Carr will have them fighting. They'll have yeah, them. of course. Derek Carr's no muck. Look, we yeah. can say whatever we like. You know, he's not a, he's not a, a terrible quarterback. Um, you know, he didn't get a million dollar contract because he was rubbish. Um, Philly and Pittsburgh won't. We've talked about the 49ers. It depends on the health of, uh, of Garoppolo. Seattle, no. Tampa, potentially, although again, you know, good players on offense, decent players on defense. Tennessee, probably too good of a team, regardless of Mariota and Tannehill. And that leaves you with Washington. So realistically, that's the Dolphins, the Giants, Washington, maybe Jacksonville. You look, and there's always a couple of outliers that we don't expect, but there are good. Teams do have good quarterbacks. You know, Jacksonville have just paid a lot of money for Nick Foles. That's not an easy contract to get out of in the first two years, if that if that's what they want to do. I, I, I totally take Chris's point about, you know, if you're 3 and 13, you're going to be screwed. I do just wonder who else is going to be the competition. I mean, that Redskins, that, I hate calling them that, that Washington team isn't very good. And it I plays see. in a very, plays in a very good watch. division. That's the one. Uh, that, that, the that, one. that, to me, Washington, I've just looked through their roster as well. That Washington team is bereft of, you know, you're expecting, Der- you know, Darius Geis is going to have to have a hell of a comeback here from that. ACL. They can hand the Giants wins. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that, Adrian that, Peterson is returning. So Peterson's return. Yeah. They've got a decent running game. They're, they're three deep at running back. You know, look, Case Keenum, you know, didn't have a great year. Case Keenum isn't, you know, is not a top 15 quarterback, but he had a fantastic year in in Minnesota. Was that an outlier year for him? Was that a one-off? Mm-hmm. You know, well, he, he won and he didn't he do did. so. No, absolutely. But he didn't do terribly. I mean, I, I, he's not there. It was a $20 million contract and they got out of it. But, you know, he didn't do terribly. You know, they won games. I think, what did they win? Six, seven games, the Broncos. So, but that, you know, defensively, you look at that Washington team and you think, not sure. You know, Kerrigan's getting older. They just, Preston Smith left in free agency. I know they just signed Landon Collins. You know, they've still got Josh Norman. But, you know, I think that would, I think Washington would be our competition if, if that's the, you know. But I think realistically it comes down to four, three, maybe four teams with maybe one outlier. But we're in the mix. I think we're definitely in the mix. And we don't have an easy schedule. I mean, and we do play both line. the Giants. Oh, absolutely. We played the Giants. And the Bengals, who I think are a peripheral team for the for the number one pick. Well, if we have a hard schedule, then we're going to lose tie breaks too. Um, so I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the way this works. I mean, no, that's, no, absolutely. Now absolutely. let me ask this. Let me ask this. We talked about the quarterback. We talked about the roster. There's yet another component, and that's the coaching staff. Okay, I'm going to ask this question because I really do not know the answer to it. Okay, Jimmy Johnson in 1989 went 1-15. We all know that Jimmy Johnson has a shot at the Hall of Fame. In fact, he might get in next year. He has two Super Bowl rings. Is he the only example of a good coach that had a disaster season? That, I'll answer that right now because I know the answer. Yes. All right, go ahead. 
Yeah, it's true. That's the only one. In the last 30 years, that's the one that you can look at and find. In the last 25 years, there hasn't been an example. In the last 20 years, there hasn't been an example. In the last 20 years, there have been 25 teams that have been uh, that have been two and 14 or, or worse, or one and 15, or zero, you know, 0 and 16, something like that. And you know, almost all, not all, all of them ended up firing for being ended up being fired for being bad. Uh, most of them, the overwhelming majority of them were fired either in season or at the immediate end of the season, even if they were on their, there, there are a bunch of first year coaches that were fired, mind you. I mean, guys like Steve Wilkes, guys like, uh, Cam Cameron that were, that were really bad in that first year and they were fired right away. Uh, they don't survive the ones that actually did survive and go on to, to, uh, to coach a second year, their average record was like four and 12. And you wish that you did fire them in that first year because they're just bad. Um, so I, I think that the history is not, listen, Jimmy Johnson did do it back in 1989. It, it was 30 years ago. You wonder if that was a little bit of a different era, even with respect to the free agency markets compared to uh compared to even 20 years ago i mean free agency developed in over that that time period so you wonder if that that could happen i think that this is this is actually a point to bring up is that if miami you know managed to cam cameron themselves by accident with their hiring of brian flores and and they end up with the number one overall pick and Tua tongue of iloa you're going to be very happy about getting Tua tongue of iloa for sure and you might even build a statue to brian flores for doing that but you're also going to fire him okay because uh because that would be, that will be the right call because good coaches don't go one in 15 like that good coaches don't go you know the only coach that survived any length of time after going two and 14 was uh was jim schwartz with the detroit lions he took over an zero and 16 team okay so his two and 14 was actually two wins better than what than what they did previously the miami dolphins were seven and nine last year you can't there's no precedent really for going from for going going from a seven and nine team to a one win team or a two win team and your head coach being good uh, somehow in some secret way i just don't buy that at all and i that's why that's one of the reasons why this organic tank idea is is a bad idea because we already kind of blew it by firing the guy that was under fire, Adam Gase, and then hiring a bunch of coaches that we think, I mean, we hope are, are going to be actually pretty good Super Bowl quality coaches. So can I ask what then are you, what, what are you expecting, Chris? What are you hoping for? Genuine question, like 5 and 11, 6 and 10? I'm not, I'm surely, not hoping for surely, anything. If they're writing off 2019, then I'm writing off 2019. What choice do I have? I mean, uh, the, I mean it's not going to be – it's not going to be – what I want them – to do first off if they do it's not about what i hope for it's what it's what happens like if they do go two and 14 if they go one and 15 then that says something about the coaches it also says something about the roster and and they're not pleasant things um if they do go say you know let's go into that five and eleven range then we're still you know hey you you managed to win five games everybody knew that you were kind of robbing uh some talent on the roster in order to you know shifting your assets forward basically just like they're, they're doing the salary cap thing they're selling salary cap space for draft picks if that's not sh you know shifting your assets forward on the timeline then i don't know what is um, so, you know, the, that's fine. If they're five and 11, something like that, then we're fine. Four and 12, we're starting to, we're starting to get into a little bit of a danger zone to me. Um, you know, anything better, anything better than that. And I'm, I, I feel good about the coaching staff. I think that what they need to do is show that they can find, find the quarterback. Dave Hyde said this, and he said this, he said this really well. Uh, he said that if you're, if you're not good enough to find a good quarterback, without tanking and getting for the number one overall pick, then you're never going to be good enough to surround that quarterback with talent either. And I think that that's, and I think that that's a, that's a really good point. Like if I look over the years at the chances that Miami dolphins have had to get elite level quarterback, you know, you didn't have to get all of them at number one overall. You didn't have to get all of them at number two overall. I mean, yeah. Miami could have been picking much lower than number two overall in, in uh, 2005 and still gotten Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they could have gotten – they were picking lower and they could have traded up and gotten Ben Roethlisberger. He was within range. I mean, show that you're good enough to find the right quarterback – and go up and get him and have it be the right call. I mean, it's, it's, you know, none of this is, none of this is, 
is worth it or none of this matters if it's the wrong call. But, you know, have it be the right call. Show that you're good enough to do that. But in the meantime, you've got, hey, you're, you're teaching these guys winning. You're teaching these guys winning technique, right? You're teaching them fundamentals. Well, fundamentals win game. You know, you're teaching them uh, game or you're developing game plans and you're having them execute it. You're, you're hoping that these game plans are winning game plans and that they can execute it like winners. You're trying to teach them to be winners. Don't sit there and try to teach them to be losers. Um, so, or, or if you are going to do that, then just be, just go all out, sit in a room with all the important decision makers and say, this is what we're doing. We're going to throw games. I mean, we're going to use all these games as developmental opportunities. They're going to be like preseason games to us. We're not going to game plan to win. We're going to game plan to develop. And if it's close, we're going to throw it we're going to throw the game, throw the outcome. If that's, if that's what you want to do for that Tua Tagovailoa, you know, number one overall, this is what you've decided that you need in order to, to move forward, then don't do this half-ass bullshit, okay? Don't try and hide behind some thin veneer of an excuse. Well, we weren't really trying to lose. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. You executed an entire offseason. You were afraid of every single move because you thought it might win you too many games. Yes, you're trying to lose games. Don't do that. That's so, that's so non sport it's the most non-sport thing that i can even think of in sports i mean it's cowardly in a way i mean don't do that okay go set your goal and go for it that's what sports is about you know don't do, don't take this easy way out like trying to plug in a game a game genie or something like that to the nfl okay you you got to do it uh, go for it uh, anyway that's my rant um uh, i'm scared let's have a break <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in, in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for you know uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that, that ownership is, is fully supportive and allowing us to, to, to do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in, in this region, in the gateway to America, and, and, and for Miami to become a destination spot for, for all Latin players uh, because, you know, this is such an international city. Hey, I'm Josh Appel. And I'm Billy O'Rourke. And we are the hosts of Five Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast, Smark Your Territory, where we bring you the hard-hitting well, wrestling. No, well, not, no, we don't want it. It's not too hard-hitting because you don't want to hurt the other guy. It's more of a dance we're trying to do here. We're trying to keep it. Protect, protect the other guy. Yeah, you want to protect okay, the other so guy. Okay, so maybe we'll go more in-depth. Yeah, that's good. That's better. Smark Your Territory, Five Reasons Sports Network's Pro Wrestling Podcast with the most in-depth wrestling talk you'll find. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the Juice. And Juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the Fish Tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there <laughs> so we go. So that's what I wanted to get Yeah, <laughs> That's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat them 35-7. 35-7. Wow. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on them, accounting for all five touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> hands and all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered all that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Hi, welcome back to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm not scared anymore. Uh, I'm Simon Clancy. Chris has calmed down. I think he's had an injection or something. Um, and, and Alf is obviously here as well. It's time for a bit of Miami Dolphins news, as if we haven't been doing that for the last 35 minutes. But <laughs> we've made a massive free agent signing, a big splash that sent shockwaves around the league, um, which is the, uh, the practice squad guard slash center, who was the NCAA shot put champion, Chris Christopher Reed, who ultimately played under Pat Flaherty, our, our new uh, sexy 84-year-old offensive line coach, and um, will almost certainly be cutting camp, or he'll be starting next to Larry Tunsil. You decide. Um, and in fact, probably this season, they could turn it into fan votes, and we could pick who plays each week um, <laughs> as part of a little sort of fan fun because we're not going to have much fun next season. So maybe if there was like an internet poll, Tom Garfinkel could do an internet poll each week and we could just pick the, um, 
we could pick the teams. Or Miss Stephen Ross's mum perhaps could could do it. Or well, she's not going to make an appearance, <laughs> but perhaps she could do it. Boys, um, I know that we uh, I know that we are very very maxed out on Chris Reed tape. Um, mm. I've had my you know we've all had our noses deep in Jacksonville training camp uh, footage. Mm. Uh, anything on uh, Chris Reed to add? <laughs> Well, let me say this. I put together a list of about 120 guys, and I narrowed it down to about 30 that I thought had a shot at becoming Miami Dolphins this offseason. Please, please don't say you had Chris Reed on the list. <laughs> I didn't have him in the 120. Thank God for that. I would have been embarrassed for you is. if you had. I don't know if he exists. Like, if you're telling I mean, me right now that you made up the name, I, I, I probably believe you. This forthcoming season will be my 35th as an NFL fan. And I kind of figure I know quite a lot about the league and stuff. And I don't mean that in a boastful way, although it sounds boastful, it's not at all. I've never heard of Chris Reed. I went to school with a guy called Chris Reed. He had glasses and wanked a lot, but I don't know this guy, unless it's the same one. Unless it's the same one. <laughs> it could be. Maybe it's the same one. It could be the same one. If he's got glasses and masturbates a lot, then it could well be the same guy. <laughs> All right. Probably worth. I'll probably we, call Jason right. Jenkins. We fired. Yeah. We fired the right offensive well, your coach. Film analysis. Yeah. yeah if there we uh, if if we uh, still had Chris Forrester as the uh, the offensive line coach, that would have fit. Allegedly. Exactly. Allegedly. 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 Masturbator. I'm just. Um. I, I do have some confirmation on the um first overall pick in the 2020 draft because because Washington have just signed Eric Flowers, so I think it's pretty much a done oh deal. That they're going to end up with the They're first doubling pick. down. They really are. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, that's like we're way behind. Like we're way behind, buddy. Man, we gotta get serious about this. <laughs> yeah. like, we should have signed him. <laughs> Jesus, to play. We well, should have signed him what? to play quarterback. You know, <laughs> prior to their prior to their getting Case Keenum, uh, when they're talking talking up uh, Colt McCoy, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we can't wait until he gets he gets healthy and he gets back. You know, that's our that's our quarterback. And then I was like, oh, this is gonna be formidable. <laughs> <laughs> the um the the unfortunate thing for Washington, I suppose that, that there's two. One is clearly their roster is worse than theirs. Two, the good thing is that Jay Gruden really. I mean, this is his final season, right? I yeah. mean, he's got to yeah. win, otherwise he gets the sack. The flip side of that is that obviously a new head coach gets a shiny new to a tongue of Viola to play with, you know. So Gruden's in a very difficult position because he's, you know, he's he could almost get fired being so close to the kind of the great great hope great hawaiian hope kind of thing mm. you know imagine just knowing that that's within your grasp but you know that you're just going to get tossed out of the the job because uh because you're just not good enough knowing but you know you're so close to 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 tour but anyway i well, said I think... tossed i said tossed out and i thought of chris reed and it, it, <laughs> and it, it, it threw out, me completely out. Uh, threw i think those completely. coaches that are that are a little bit under fire you know kind of you know, the controversial people are complaining about them, the lot, you know, maybe there's some locker room complaints and stuff. I think that they, those guys end up having that blow up year, right? They were everything just, they just lose everything. I'm thinking of Dave wants that 2004 and, and, um, and even Tony Sperano, you know, I wouldn't say he lost the locker room as if they hated him, but they clearly started off the season. Oh, and seven for a reason in his final year. And, um, and then there's uh, Joe Philbin, of course, his final year, um, he really lost every, you know, that blow up year is, is so useful if you really are trying to get a top pick, you know, and, um, and I think that going with a new coach, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not typical. It's atypical to end up with, uh, being that bad with a new coach because new coaches generally give you a one or two. I don't know if people know this, but on average and, and median level, uh, a new coach gives you an extra win or even two wins on average compared to what you did the previous year. There's, there's an effect there. Uh, and we've seen it You're in Miami. You're going to the playoffs this year. No, no, not at all. I'm just, we've seen it in Miami though. You know, Nick Saban, he wasn't supposed to go nine and seven in that first year. You know, that was a total rebuild, you know, and, and Tony Sperano in 2008, they, they certainly weren't supposed to go 11 and five that first year. That was a total, total rebuild. Um, but there's, there's sort of a new effect, a new coach effect. And you, we might uh, benefit from that. And whereas the Washington Redskins, 
somebody that's that's hanging on to a coach that's under fire i mean they're gonna they're gonna go down the toilet in my opinion that's just give us a give us a prediction then i love a little prediction give us a prediction of the final uh dolphins um end of next season tally what is the word um when regular season that's the one yeah whatever (laughs) you americans have got weird time weird names for things um Give us a win tally for next season. A record. That's the word I was looking for. Give us a record for now. This wanking thing has thrown me completely. Um, give us a record for next season for the Dolphins and which quarterback will they end up with both in this draft, because they are going to take one, oh, and, yeah. ne- and next draft. Alf, give us a okay. win total first. They'll take Easton Stick in this year's draft in the second round. Oh, oh my God. Not in the second <laughs> round. Yes, Simon Choke. And next yeah. year, they'll probably take Justin Herbert. And I'll give you two predictions. If Brian Flores is absolute garbage, we'll win three games. If he's a really good coach, we'll win five games. Chris? I, it, feels like, it feels like five and 11 is, the right, is, is about the right. They're robbing the, the roster of some talent, and I get it. Um, so that has a way of being a self-fulfilling prophecy. But five and 11 feels about right. This year, I don't think they'll get Easton Stick in the second round. I think that they're, they're going to be kind of opportunistic about quarterbacks. So they're going to let somebody fall to them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got Easton Stick in the third round or in the fourth round um, if, if the NFL don't like him as much as we do. Uh, however, next year, it's, it seems like Justin Herbert all the way. Uh, that, that's the one that you've got to uh, – you got a forecast. And so I, let's just call it like a five and 11 this year with Easton stick in the third or fourth round and uh, Justin Herbert next year. I think oh, yes. that I'll give a caveat to the Easton, my Easton stick prediction. I think oh, here we go. they're going to uh, trade that first round pick to gain another second round pick. And don't, they'll get, take stick don't, get, second. don't get splinters on your ass, buddy. They'll, they'll take Easton stick with their second, second round pick. Okay. Because the pressure will be immense from probably still it's not hard to be bad though. It's not hard to be bad, and Miami is clearly aiming to not necessarily be good. So five and eleven certainly within reason. Okay, I'm going to give you four and twelve. I'm going to give you Justin Herbert because I think uh, you know that that nugget of information about Mike Tannenbaum seeing seven. Who does that? Nobody mm-hmm. goes to watch seven games of one prospect unless he was mm-hmm. like dating somebody that worked for the Oregon football. <laughs> Maybe he was dating the Oregon SID or something. But, you know, beyond that, that that's just, I mean, I don't think Justin Herbert's mum saw seven games last season. <laughs> and I'm going to go, I do think, I do think Eastern Stick is very, very high on there. You know, would be very, very high. It's not just because we've been banging out on about him. I'm going to go with Jordan Tiamu of Old Miss just to mm. make it a bit that's different. Good. And I'm going to say fifth round, Jordan Tiamu. And I think Eastern Stick, if we did draft him, maybe fourth round. But I think four and twelve, uh, a, a trade down uh, in the first round, and mm-hmm. and Justin Herbert next year. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty safe. How and off a, tra- you think- off a trade down, Jeffrey Simmons seems like such. Yeah, a- yeah. Right. Jer- How many Jeffrey games do you Simmons. think Ryan Fitzpatrick plays this year, Simon? Uh, good I'm gonna, really? That's a great question. I'm going to say. I'm going to say eight. Okay. I'm going to say he plays eight, and then I'm going to say he has a concussion. He has. <laughs> he, he breaks. He breaks his shoulder. Separates his shoulder. Has a concussion. Yeah, and then he's and literally a punctured, and a punctured lung. He's wheelchaired off in game four, but he comes back at the end of the game and throws a miraculous last-second interception <laughs> that's returned for a touchdown to lose to the Buffalo Bills by six points to nothing. Chris, yeah. um, and I think he plays. I think he plays between six and eight games, and I think I do think we see a bit of one of those rookies that we just talked about, or Rudock or Falk, whichever one makes the roster. I was gonna say that's really specific, yeah, um, isn't it? <laughs> I'll go with the over here. I think that he'll play like eleven games uh, for for the team this year. Um, I yeah, I, I agree with you. He's older. He, he could take some beating or take a beating and get um, some nicks and uh, miss some games here and there. And I also think that at a certain point, maybe they're going to start trying to find out what they've got in the younger fellas. And you can call that tanking or whatever it is. Um, but I think it'll happen. 
Uh, so, yeah, I think maybe 11 games feels right. Do Can I throw in one more question? Go ahead. Mm. If the Dolphins traded Xavier Howard, the 13, and next year's number one to move up to the number one pick, would you do it? Yes. Yeah. Cool. And in that case, I start to get all excited about it again yeah. because that's your yeah. new starting I'm off, I'm off 5 and 11 at that point, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and we're back to like, you know, who knows? 8 and 8, know. 9 and 7, 10 and it's 6. Cool. All of that's be good. It's all of that's in good. there. But it's not going to be 5 and 11. It's not going to be no. 4 and 12. No, but if you get if you get Kyler Murray, then you're out there you're out there scouring the the trade market for guards and for a right tackle, and you're trying to hook up this team in a hurry to try to, yeah, to try to to try to hand him something that is at least competent. Pass rusher. Who's going to get to the quarterback for us, by the way? Ah, that's all. I would say the scheme. I mean, you're still going to have players need players to actually run run the scheme. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't even I don't know. Like, it's not Charles Harris. I don't think. Uh, Boy, it's 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 they're bereft. (laughs) <laughs> they are bereft. They'll they'll probably get they'll probably end up turning Robert Quinn for a twenty twenty fourth rounder. You know, I wonder. Be a so cool. I, we think that they're going to trade him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, and I think I've raised the possibility many times that they're, they're going to try and pay some do well, like they did with Tannehill, pay some money to um, to make it happen. Basically, exchanging cap space for draft picks. They could do that, but also, don't you wonder? Like, maybe what if they don't? <laughs> like what if they what if they just have him here and and he's the guy that you know he's the only guy that they have that's basically a pass rush specialist and have we been told what scheme we're actually we we're just guessing oh not at all yeah we are aren't we we're just yeah, guessing that we're running yeah, a three yeah, four i'm just assuming that we're gonna play what the patriots played yeah, yeah basically and, and because it, because quinn really doesn't fit that equation because obviously he played no. that system with the rams here sure. before he came to us and hated it hated playing outside linebacker yeah, yeah and, and we've traded. not We've not actually been told but the what upshot, system we're going to play. The upshot, if he does play, is, you know, say you do put him in – you don't care about this year, right? So – or supposedly. So let's say you put him in position to get a bunch of sacks, and then he's a free agent next year, and, and he's coming off – you know, he's Robert Quinn. He's got a, a great history. He just made $12, $13 million last year, and he put together 10, 11 sacks, something like that. Um, then he's a free agent. Then – you're looking at getting that, collecting that compensatory or compensatory. No, wait, sorry. Compensatory. Compensatory. <laughs> Get it that right. Comp- that compensatory um, pick. And, and, you know, it's, it's something to think about if you really don't care about the year, right? If you really don't care about 2019. Otherwise, I think they'll just try and pay off a little bit of his salary and uh, try and monetize him. It's just interesting when you look at players like Jerome Baker. Doesn't really fit in a four, in a thirty four defense, does he? I mean, stylistically, mm. he's undersized for a New England defense. You yeah, know, people people compare him, say maybe he's going to try and play that like Patrick Chung type I safety mean, role, but that's that's a stretch. That's a stretch. Yeah. To me then, too. Was Roosevelt Colvin a big guy? I don't remember him being that big of a guy. Was he? He's not, he wasn't two. He wasn't two twenty five though. Yeah, I don't. Was he? I'm not sure because I don't remember him. I remember him being a, a sleek. It's fast linebacker. Yeah, well, I, I think we've got also got to go a little bit off of the experience of Patrick Graham and, and Brian Flores who are running yeah. the defense because yeah. you know the, no, none of them were involved with Rosie. Colvin Rosie. was 6'3", 252. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that yeah, they, they, actually need, they actually need a guy in the draft. Um, one guy that I like is, uh, is over in, uh, in Oregon, um, Justin uh, – God, what's his name again? You like him too, Alf. Uh, I know you mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway. the, the um, from Oregon, yeah. Yeah, he was in the Shrine game and he got the MVP. I think that's they need what they need is a big like 250 plus pounder that can play real linebacker positions and then move to a sort of an outside linebacker job and play on the line of scrimmage and rush. Hollis, Hollins, Hollins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollis. Um, you, they they need somebody like that. There are a few guys in this draft that you can peg that would be like that. I think Simon, you've talked about the Hawaii guy, uh, Taiba, uh, Tavai. Um, yeah, you know, they're, yeah. They're they're guys that can that you think can do that that can move around a little bit like linebackers, but also go to the line of scrimmage and be a presence there. 
and rush the passer. Uh, I think Miami needs one of those guys. I think Miami needs a Trey Flowers type that can rush from the inside and outside. It's Charles Charles Amenahu. Uh, yeah, breaking Charles. news, breaking news as of 30 seconds ago, <laughs> quarterback Blake Bortles has signed with the Los Angeles Rams. Well, so he might win a Super Bowl. He's so going to be a head coach next year. Yeah, so after, after this season, you have to refer to Blake Bortles as Super Bowl winning quarterback Blake Bortles. <laughs> what, what happens if uh, Sean McVay fixes Blake Bortles so he doesn't have to pay Jared Goff? The Dolphins trade three first-round picks for him. <laughs> I, I just give up. <laughs> That's the way that works. You know what I want to see? You know what I, I want to see it just for the science of it. I want to see – not that I wish injury on anybody. I don't. I really don't. Not even Tom Brady. Well, maybe. Maybe Tom Brady. But I don't wish injury on anybody. But let's say Jared Goff finds an injury for two, three weeks. I want to see what Blake Bortles looks like with those skilled position players. And that I'll show my reference. But but this also kind of goes back to the question of, you know, what teams could survive a really, really, really awful season and not end up making a change at the quarterback position. I mean, we're looking at it now, and we're like, oh, well, this guy's pretty good, and they, they spent this pick on this guy. But, hey, the Cardinals had just la- – this time last year, the Cardinals had traded into the top ten and taken a quarterback and, and knew that they were going to start him, and, you know, it wasn't always going to be pretty right away. And then fast forward one year, it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to use the number one overall pick on Kyler Murray. I mean, losing that many games can really just – grew up everything that you think about both of a franchise its coaches and its its players including the quarterback to where you know you're you fast forward in time and you're looking at it and it's like well they've got a new head coach now and the new head coach doesn't want anything to do with this guy doesn't want anything to do with Mitchell Trubisky he doesn't want anything to do with you know Jared Goff or well I'm not that Sean McVay is going to get fired after or Matt Nagy (laughs) or Matt Nagy really but I mean you know a team like that that ends up losing like say Buffalo Bills I mean the Buffalo Bills if they're that bad at with Josh Allen at quarterback and they end up firing their head coach the head coach is going to look at it and it's like, well, I wasn't even a fan of Josh Allen coming out of the draft. <laughs> and, he's, and he's going to pass up to a tongue of Iowa. I mean, it's, we, you know, I, don't think it, I don't think so. Can, before we get out of here, can I just throw you some quick, because we do get a lot of these questions, certainly on our Twitter account, people sending in messages and we do appreciate the messages that you send in and we try and answer responsibly to most of them and irresponsibly to the idiotic ones. Um, so if you've got an irresponsible one, then just, Ask better questions, frankly. Um, but people do <laughs> people do ask about the That's quarterbacks. Funny. Of course, it is, and I I fully own that. We do get asked about the quarterbacks, the the, the potential first round quarterbacks. And can can I just throw some names out there and just give me some short, sharp responses? A to whether or not they're any good, and B to whether or not the Dolphins will be interested, will draft them, that kind of thing. Because people do ask the questions, and you know sometimes we, you know, we, like I said, we respond to all of them, but not everybody sees it. So let me just go through. We've talked about Kyler Murray, and we'd all be in agreement that we'd take Murray if he fell to thirteen, if he fell into the, you know, whatever. We, you know, we we like Murray. The, the 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 name that comes up most of all is Dwayne Haskins. Do you think if Dwayne Haskins was on the clock at, on the board at thirteen, Miami were on the clock, we would take him? Yes or no? I would say no. I'm Chris? trying not to overthink it, and I'm going to say yes. Okay, I would Just, say no actually, but yeah. um, I I, th- I think they would potentially pass. Um, Drew Locke. I think they would be tempted, and if they do take him, the risk is extremely high that we repeat the Ryan Tannehill era. But this time a little shorter, maybe four years. I think I think they'll like Locke more than they'll like Haskins. Yes, I, I get that sense too. Chris, what do you think, Locke? I I don't think so. I think you actually won me on this. Um, you don't go from Ryan Tannehill and the issues that he had. No, to Dwayne to Haskins. Drew, to Drew, to no, not Dwayne Haskins. To Drew Locke. Yeah, okay. that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, just, I, I think there's very similarities, very good similarities between Tannehill and the issues that Haskins has, but also Tannehill and the issues Locke has. I think some of the bad things in both of their games showed up in Tannehill's game, which is why I think they'll avoid both of them. Daniel Jones of Duke, who who pretty much is Ryan Tannehill, just with a weaker arm. This is the hilarious thing about it. You've literally got three quarterbacks. Take out Kyler Murray. The three other 
the three other potential first round quarterbacks are all very similar to Tannehill in very different ways. But essentially, if you put all their shit bits together, you've got Ryan Tannehill. Well, I will, I will say this: I don't want to pretend that I know more than 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 Chris Greer or Brian Flores or anybody in that front office. But if they do take Daniel Jones, I am almost certain that he is not going to be a good pro. And if they do take him, it would convince me that we have the wrong people in charge. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. The other and if he's great, and, and if he's great, of course I'm a Dolphin fan. I'll I'll be right behind him, and I'll say, you know what? I was a complete idiot. I didn't see Daniel Jones being this great quarterback. And if he's great, I'll applaud him for it. But Chris I have Daniel Jones, serious doubts. I I don't know what they'll. I honestly don't know what they will do with Daniel Jones because I could see them liking him, and that's that's a problem for me. Uh, I don't like him. But he, he always just looks to me like, like he's not just not all that talent. Like he's just happy to be here, <laughs> you know. Like like he's just you know, he's not all that talented. He's just kind of happy to be here, uh, to be do invited. You, do you think? And this is a stretch, but do you think there will be parts of his game, the cerebral parts, but certainly the mm-hmm. the not the massive arm, for example, but the mental side of it, because he is you know he is mm-hmm. a mentally acute football player do you think there are elements of his game that certainly Chad O'Shea will see and think I see a small bit of Tom Brady in this man that's the fear. Just in- that's the problem absolutely that's the fear and 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 they have connections they have connections yeah. with you know there are guys David on the staff. Yeah. there are guys on Miami staff right now that coached uh that coached Daniel Jones I mean that that coached with over there so with, yeah. I think that's yeah, you got to worry about that. Uh, I'm worried. Can you imagine this? The draft is on a Thursday. Can you imagine this this fan base Friday morning after they take Daniel Jones in the first round? God, no. (laughs) What if they traded down, picked up a 2020 first round pick, and took Daniel Jones at 29, and they got an extra second rounder as well? I think that would be the only scenario they do it. Yeah, okay. I love that idea. I love that idea. I love the idea of having as much ammunition as you can for the 2020 draft. But the problem is, if you take Danny Jones in the first round, you have to give him an opportunity, don't you? Mm. No. <laughs> so then you just threw <laughs> okay. away a first-round pick, Chris. Well, then you the don't Arizona, take, Then you take the an Arizona, player. The Arizona the, Cardinals are potentially listen, doing the same thing. So Rightly or wrongly, and I'll admit that some many people think, I'll, think I'm – dumb for saying this or that I'm just flat out wrong rightly or wrongly I think that 80% of the guys that end up uh really good quarterbacks out there that you see that are that are hits you know successes when they played as rookies 80% of them really showed you something showed you something really really good as a rookie really so, intrigued so if they and drafted I, so, Daniel Jones you so, would start him day one day one first preseason game uh, the starter all I'm saying is if, day, if he's it does starter. happen if it does happen that he's starting and he has an atrocious year then then more likely than not fast he's forward not coming back from it yeah yeah I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say well we have to give him another year we have to give him no I'm not I'm not gonna do that because I'm gonna go I'm gonna do like Arizona's doing and sell off Joss Rosen and say, you know what? Maybe he does pan out. But either way, he's not for me. He's not. Final, you know. court, final quarterback with us, the one that we get asked about an awful lot as well. Uh, and I know the answer because all three of us don't like this guy. But just to explain to people what it is about this guy that we don't like, Will Greer of West Virginia, we, we often get, you know, people often say he should be a first-round pick. And you say, well, it's a terrible quarterback draft. If, if Will Greer was really good, he'd be, going, he'd be, you know, people would be talking about him as a top-ten pick. They're obviously not. Chris Alf. Why are they not? Well, he's an overthrower of the football. He's not a natural thrower of the football. He doesn't have the arm that's required to throw in the NFL. There's throws that he just does not have in his bag. So, in my estimation, he can't play in the NFL. Can he be a a backup and be a spot starter? Sure. But there's a lot of guys that are like him in the NFL. But good players in the NFL, good quarterbacks in the NFL that have that characteristic, they don't exist. Yeah, you know, I do like him. I do like certain things about him. Uh, I tend to I tend to go for guys that are just you can grade them throw throw for throw and just play for play, and they're just constantly doing good things. And he's he's extremely productive two years in a row, and and he grades out pretty well that way. But it's just like Alf said, you're going all this time, and you're you're still not seeing NFL 
throws as far as window tight window throws sticking it in there high velocity that type of thing he's got the ability to do it but when he does when he tried to do it at the senior bowl he fell apart you know when he tried to throw it and throw it hard at the senior bowl he fell apart and that's the concern um and then the other concern is okay if he's going to be one of these guys that throws a touch everywhere and and be like drew Brees. drew Brees' game models after will's will greer's game pretty well but if he's going to try to be like that he doesn't have the make in my opinion he doesn't have the makeup and i'm talking about his on-field decision making too he doesn't have the makeup of a drew Brees that way the the sort of the intangibles the decision making the the quick field reading ability and especially the feel in the pocket and under pressure i don't think he's got that in him but you know, I, I applaud him for being successful. I hope he is successful uh, in trying to be another Drew Brees, and it works out for him. I just don't think it's going to. Alf takes the church. Let's, it's time to go. Yes, it is. All right, that's it. There is no more. The calendar is getting closer and closer and closer to April, which means draft season. Maybe we give you a little bit more of that. For sure, the entire month of April will be all draft all the time on this podcast. But for now... That's it. There is no more. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.